0: What makes a good leader? Experience, perspective, individual accomplishments, how well you do in a group? People will agree and disagree on all sorts of aspects of that, but it's often said that a good leader is someone you'd want to have a beer with. And what better leader to have a beer with than the leader of the city's original craft brewery? Cheers. (laughs) Oh, that is really good. You'll hear a lot about strong women and great female leaders during the month of March, I'd like to think that one day, in the hopefully near future, it won't be all that remarkable to have a woman at the helm of a business, even a business typically associated with men. The lady tapped to run Schlafly Brewery, though? Gender aside, she's pretty remarkable. (laughs) This episode of Abby Eats St. Louis, we're going to introduce you to Fran Carabana. I
1: love St. Louis. I just can't help myself. I didn't mean to stay here
0: this long. How coming up in a beer bros world made her such a boss babe and her advice for ladies looking for a seat at the table. We all know who the boss is, and they go, oh, yeah, sure. And I go, no, really, I'm the CEO. The first beer she had a role in testing out and what she keeps in her fridge. No kegerator, not anymore. Plus, food news and your weekend planner. Fran studied journalism back in the day. She even worked in public radio. It's why she immediately took interest in my recording equipment. I bragged to her how much better and easier it's gotten to use even since I started this one, two, podcast. Three, one, two, three, one, two, three, Which makes it all the more embarrassing that I missed some part of the audio process along the way and it didn't turn out. So, Fran, we are here again today because I messed up. (laughs) I had audio issues when we did the first interview. Um, It's one of those things, you go back to the station and you're like, all right, well, that happened once and everybody just kept saying, it's okay, it's never gonna happen again. What's a mistake that you have made in the past that you said, well, I'm not gonna make that
2: mistake again? Oh,
1: so many, Abby, (laughs) I don't
0: even know. I'll have to
1: try to think of one. Um, You know, the thing I tell people today is don't be afraid of making mistakes Um, be just figure out how to fix it number one repair the mistake you make and number two figure out how not to do that again you know um, in the beer business there's it's just so easy to make a mistake you can make a mistake making the beer you can make a mistake you know doing the business part paying the taxes all that kind of stuff Um, And, uh, you know, I actually, in the first six months I was here last year, I I actually offered rewards for mistakes. Really? Yeah. And I said... What do you mean by that? I said, please make a mistake. I'm going to give a reward. What I said was, I'm going to give a reward for the best mistake. And Uh I had just read something, uh, I forget now who I was reading, but they were talking about elevating the quality of your mistakes. Reducing the quantity, but elevating the quality. The better your mistakes are, then the, the better you're doing, you know? Huh. Because if you're not making stupid mistakes anymore, right. you slowly elevate the quality of your mistakes. And so somebody on the team said, oh, I'm just gonna open a valve and let a bunch of beer hit the floor. And I said, well, it can't be a stupid mistake. <laughs> no rewards for dumb mistakes, but try something, mm-hmm. you know?
0: And if, if we're not making mistakes, we're probably not, pushing the envelope enough. It's like the harder you're swinging, the more it's going to hurt if you miss your target. That's but right. But yeah. at least you're swinging hard in the first place. Exactly.
1: I and we can that. learn so much from, from fixing the mistake and then... Fixing the system that caused the mistake. So you've done that. Yes. You you will never make that mistake again.
0: Nope. Not even. I promise you,
1: you'll make other mistakes,
0: and that's a good thing. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Maybe somebody will reward me along the way for those. Yeah, there you go. Like so many of us, Fran's first real experiences with beer happened in college at the University of South Carolina. She was into trying new brews even then, though I think it'd be fair to say her palate wasn't quite as refined. We were a test market for natural light back in the late 70s, South Carolina was. We
1: didn't call it Natty Light. Um, I I didn't hear that until I moved to St. Louis. Really? And and you guys called it Natty Light. We didn't call it natural light. We just called it natural.
2: It was just, give me a
1: natural. And, you know, I was... That sounds appealing. It was very (laughs) appealing. You know, I was at that age. I wasn't wearing makeup, you know. I was going with the natural look. And so, give me a natural. And yeah, it tastes like beer. But as, you know, as I got a little older and, and got into my early and mid-20s, um, I really did begin to appreciate other beers, you know, imports mostly back then. Well, that's all we had. Mm-hmm. Um, darker beers, hoppier beers, and started looking
0: for for good beer. Try and explore a little bit with that. Yeah, after graduating, Fran worked in public media for a while on the advertising side, then joined an ad agency. She says she looks back and sees how all the experience running small business and figuring out what works and what doesn't in direct marketing was a good foundation for her career to come. Plus, she says it was the 80s. The ad world was fast-paced and fun, and she was a rising star. In the meantime, she'd gotten married to a craft beer fanatic from St. Louis named Tony. They moved here, he started a distribution company, and when they decided to have a family, she left that go-go advertising world behind to start working with him at the signature beer company. Somehow we always knew we were gonna work together. You know, we felt like one of the
1: things we did well, and I still think we were great business partners. Um, We have, you know, our skills complemented each other. And um, he, it was something he was really passionate about. And he worked for a beer distribution company, Gresic Imports, which was no longer here. It was bought by Glazer some years ago. And he went to work for them right as Corona was coming to town, the first wave of Corona. So Mm. he was hired in first as a a beer truck driver and then as a beer sales guy. It's so funny to me to even think about that as being something that wasn't mainstream. Oh yeah, I was not it was all new yeah. it, you know, it was a whole, and it was it was huge for that distributor. It was, you know, people loved trying it and it was it was kind of like you see today with the seltzers yeah you know it was like the latest thing Mm -hmm. so anyway he he worked for them and he saw the craft beer thing happening on the coast and so you know knowing that we wanted to have our own business he this seemed like a logical thing so you know he put together the plan to start a small distributorship And uh, we were in a position where we didn't have to, it wasn't a big capital intensive business. We bought a van, a delivery van. We had enough cash to rent a, a little tiny warehouse. And I kept my job so that I could pay the bills. So we didn't have to pay him. The company didn't have to pay him a lot of money, and so that was how I contributed to the launch of that business: was to be able to make sure we. And you know, we lived in a little house in Shrewsbury and kept our expenses small so that we could could invest in that.
0: So we built that business up. And so, when you were exposed to St. Louis for the first time via your then husband. Were you aware of what the beer culture was here, specifically because of the fact that this is a city in the shadow of a pretty big brewery?
1: I wasn't aware until I got here and I became aware, because, partly because Tony Caradonna was such a huge fan of Anheuser-Busch and what they stood for in this community um you know they've they kept the brewery open during the 13 years of prohibition so that people had work right i mean that makes a huge impact for generations and i think there's people today who don't even realize that's where some of the community loyalty comes from because it was 100 years ago but
0: um, it's truly woven itself it into had, the fabric. Of yeah, words.
1: they were so much a part of the community. And and it, the love and respect went both ways. You know, I really think that was a big part of it. So Tony was, you know, came, grew up in this town where there was that deep abiding respect for uh, the company and the family, the Bush company and the Bush family. So... Yeah he was he was a big fan and just appreciated the way they went about doing their business back then. He, he didn't see himself as a guy who would work there, but he, he because he also understood that before prohibition there were a hundred breweries, small breweries in the neighborhoods of, st louis and he Mm -hmm. thought that was really cool too and you know we hung around with people who thought that was cool (laughs) you know and and we saw that starting to happen on the east coast and the west coast in the in the mid 80s late 80s and um you know we thought that was pretty cool all Mm -hmm. this great beer out there this the idea that beer could be made locally and enjoyed locally was just very enticing
0: even as they grew their company to be the go-to purveyor of craft beer before selling it to another local distributor they'd always wanted to get into what Fran calls the fun side of things actually brewing beer. The couple used the capital from selling signature to launch O'Fallon Brewery. It was at the time one of just a handful of craft breweries in the St. Louis area including Trailhead, Morgan Street, and Schlafly. We were the fourth brewery
1: so we Decided in October, wrote our business plan, went to the banks, asked for money, um, ordered the equipment, found a location, a building, applied for our licenses. We moved into the location in January. Um, The equipment came in in February. We made our first test batch in March, and we sold our first keg of beer the first week of April. I mean, it
0: happened really fast. As fast as it happened, Fran kept up. Even as they sold O'Fallon, Fran stayed busy. She and Tony aren't married anymore, but her relationship with beer hasn't really changed. It's just gotten stronger. She was picked to be Schlafly's CEO last July. Because there's not as much sunlight between 2019 and 1920 as you would hope, though, much ado has been made about the fact that a woman can be in charge of a beer company? That, Fran says, is something she's actually been dealing with her entire career.
1: Well, they assume you're the secretary yeah. or the administrative assistant, or you know you're the wife. So you, he must be the boss, and you must be the helper. And you know, not that, not that I wasn't a helper, and and or he wasn't a helper. But we had right. very. Um, very clear roles that we figured out between us he knew we knew who was the boss I, was, <laughs> you know he knew I knew and and he was the boss of some things and I was the boss of other things but he was the vision guy and the sales guy and I ran the rest of the company and so the you know folks would come in mostly insurance salesmen and you know ask for him and I'd have to gently remind them you know that We all know who the boss is, and they go, "Oh yeah, sure." And I go, "No, really, I'm the CEO. For real. You need my signature on that. Exactly. (laughs) He's going to defer to me on that. So, you know, and it worked well for us. And um, as time has gone on, that's less of a thing, thankfully. You know, people aren't as surprised. Your generation, the men in your generation, and even generations above and certainly below you are just there's more of an expectation that a woman can be a leader a woman can be in control and for my generation it was still very new not quite as unusual as my mom's generation but I think you know I've said that of all my friends in high school I'm the only one who had a real career you know the rest of them Supported their husband's careers. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But they were all very accomplished women in their own rights. One was a CPA. One was a horticulturist. One was an architect. Mm -hmm. You know, and when the kids came along, they
0: gave up their careers. So um, not bad or good, just different. Right. And, yes, my generation, I do think, thankfully, that we are getting better at just kind of assuming we will have a seat at the table, making a seat at the table for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But did you see times where the table was set and there wasn't a spot for you and you had to kind of elbow your way in? Yeah,
1: especially in the beer business because it's very male-dominated yeah. and very male-dominated in this town. Craft made it a little easier because we were already quirky. You know, Schlafly has always had women at the table yeah. from the beginning, so it wasn't hard when we were working with Schlafly to, to be their distributor, you know, to be a female voice that wasn't difficult but you know i i did a mentoring event not too long ago with the business journal and um almost every single woman that sat down with me you know referenced the being a female in a male dominated industry and you know there i talked to a woman in construction i talked to uh, a couple people in tech i talked to some people in um uh, engineering, yeah. chemical engineering, and you know, real estate—they're uh, all in male-dominated. And they said, "How do you? How do you compete?" Right. And, and my answer is to don't pretend like it doesn't exist—that it's not a thing—that you're the only one in there. Yeah. And and when you're when you're knowingly or unknowingly mistreated, speak up with a sense of humor, and then just. Do the best job you can because you you let your work speak for itself, and then everything else goes away. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just being really good at your job is the most important thing, and I think that's true for men too. You want to see that you want to move up. Let your work speak for you. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned something that the craft beer world kind of helped; it expanded the diversity of people who would be working in this, because like you said, We weren't as buttoned down. Yeah, (laughs) quirkier. Do you feel like on the consumer side, craft beer has made beer in general more accessible for women?
1: Yeah, I do think so. Um, I I think it's more interesting. Um, I think women are, I don't know. I think it's made it more accessible for everybody. Yeah. Not just women, because craft beers like I said, more interesting, different flavors. And just the idea of being different or small, I think maybe, um, maybe it's not women, maybe it's young people. Yeah. I'm not sure. But it it is a fact that women are attracted to craft beer, both as drinkers and as workers. Um, we have uh, you know, we, we have far more women in the business today, even on the production side. I mean, like I said, Schlafly's always had women in the yeah. brewery. But, but today, a lot of small breweries do. And there's even breweries here that were founded by women, you know, and that's such a nice, um, such a nice sign of really anyone can do this who has the passion.
0: Yeah. Beer has been in the past known as more of a bro drink. Business has been known as a man's world in so many ways, but like we were just saying, both are progressing. Which do you think is progressing faster or in a better, healthier way to you?
1: Hmm, That's a good question. Um, You know, I, I know... I've always said I love the beer business because I've been here a long time and I've learned it, but I didn't have the passion for it that tony had Mm -hmm. my passion was for small business yeah and i still feel passionate about making a small business work and so when for me to kind of separate the two is hard um, because i think there's so much potential in both beer and business Mm -hmm. to do it better Um, you know the whole idea of continually improving and finding better ways to do it so i don't know if one is faster Evolving faster than the they're both evolving quickly. Mm-hmm. How's that? I like
0: that. <laughs> How's that, that for a non-answer that's answer? That's <laughs> fair. I like it though. Schlafly brews a lot of different beers. Some are on grocery store shelves or in restaurants. Some are only in their locations in the city, Maplewood, and soon St. Charles. Cabin Fever, Stout and Oyster Festival, Art Outside, Hop in the City, the Full Moon Festival. You can fill your calendar with Schlafly events where you can also fill your glass with varieties of beer that you won't find anywhere else outside of those events. Fran admits that their brewing team likes to try new things. They like to show off, she says. But for anyone in the beer biz in this town, the Anheuser influence is a blessing and a curse. I mean, obviously the city's exploding right now with 60 plus, 70 plus breweries. But do you think, especially when you were kind of beginning and trying to get, craft beer into people's hands do you think the anheuser-busch dominance made it more difficult yeah i
1: think i think we did we had to do a lot of education at Mm -hmm. the beginning because in this town which was such a loyal beer town people understood the beer business in in one way Mm -hmm. which is it's anheuser-busch and there's you know, Bud, Bud Light, Mick, Mick Light, you know, and you pick one, you yeah. know, and that's what my dad always drank Budweiser, I drink Bud Light,
0: or whatever. My dad was Bud Light for a real long time, then Mick Ultra for a while, yeah. That's exactly right, yeah. and,
1: the, and you were loyal to a brand, and so when we, when we started, when Schlafly started, um... The consumer's question was, what is this?
0: And which one tastes most and like Mickelta? Why <laughs> is
1: this different? And which one tastes mo- Exactly. Yeah. Which one tastes like what I'm used to? Or, or what they, they didn't even say which one back then. They said, does it? Mm. Does it taste like Budweiser? Interesting. You know, and so we did a lot of educating of how is this different than what you love? and and we talked we poured a lot of samples you know sampling i still to this day think sampling is the best way to sell a beer yeah is is you get a beer in somebody's hands and you let them taste it and and a portion of them will like it enough to go buy it Not and it's not you know we're not making beer for the masses that's what they already do is they make beer that's that's not offensive to as many people as possible and that sells
0: a lot of beer and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not what craft is in general. I've talked to guys who started, you know, home brewing a couple years ago and now they're opening their small brew pubs and everybody's so psyched about this collaborative environment that St. Louis has created, but Schlafly was the first Mm -hmm. to create a craft brewery here. Does that make your life actually harder now? Um, How do you view the collaboration and, frankly, the competition now that's kind of sprouting up everywhere? Well, Tom Schlafly likes
1: to joke, you know, back in the day we used to encourage people to try lots of different things and look where it got us. (laughs) You know, I don't think he would change a thing. Um, I think we have, I think our, the fact that we're the first, Um, is both an asset and can be a liability Mm -hmm. if we let it and and so like any we all have assets and liabilities as people Um, and our job is to enhance our assets and minimize our liabilities and and so the asset is that we have a lot of experience and we have been around a long time and we're able to hire and attract very qualified people to make our beer, and it is the very best it can possibly be. We have excellent quality control. I'm not saying other people don't. Mm-hmm. I'm saying we've learned a lot over the years. We've, we've got some experience that nobody else has. Just and you can only control yourselves, really. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's a, we got to play our game. We can't be staring at the competition. It just doesn't do any good. But we also have a responsibility, I believe, um, to be part of the community. And when I, when we think of the community, it's not just the neighborhoods that we're in. Um, it's also the industry community that we're in. And our goal is to be uh, to be a leader in that com- that community, a supporter in that community. There's plenty of sales for all of us. I've always said that, you know. I, 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 it's it's like, yes, we compete with forehands and Urban Chestnut and O'Fallon, but it's it's like I watch my my, or you can watch the Cardinals. They get out there and they play their hardest, you know. So the batter and the pitcher are competing. It's a mano a mano, you know. And and when the hitter gets on first base he runs his hardest to get to first base mm-hmm. and not be out. And the first baseman is stretching as far as he can to try to get that guy out. But at the end of the play, you know, they pat each other on the butt and they chat each other up and say, hey, what's uh, who knows what they say out there. <laughs> but they're competing as hard as they can, mm-hmm. but they're still friendly. And so to me it's the same kind of competition that we have. Uh, you know, we're, we're all here. We all have a job, and that's to take care of – of the consumers, and you do it your way, we do it our
0: way, and it's okay. You You just made a baseball analogy about selling beer. You are officially a St. (laughs) Louis. now. I know. I don't care where you're originally from. (laughs) I've been here a long time. Fran, what's in your fridge at home?
1: Right now, I've got some Schlafly Cider, traditional cider, which is really good. Um, I have some Boomerang in my refrigerator, which is our new um, Mead Spritzer, which is very delicious, and we think plays with... Truly and White
0: Claw, it's kind of in that area. Except for, as podcast listeners will know, I can't stand either of those two things, and I really like Boomerang. Oh, good. That's That's good good to know, yeah.
1: (laughs) I've got a couple of different stouts. We put out a mixed 12-pack of stouts called Stout Bout, and so I've got a few of those in there. One's a Session Stout, one's a chocolate, Mexican chocolate Mm -hmm. stout, which is very good. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I also have a little wine in my refrigerator, because I do like wine. Um, No keggerator for you? No kegger back in the day when we had O'Fallon we had a kegerator in the garage yeah but no not anymore
0: <laughs> when you pour yourself um, a Mexican chocolate stout into a glass at the end of the day and you raise that glass what are you toasting to well I think I'm
1: toasting to life you know I'm at the I I have the best job in the world a job that I wouldn't I probably wasn't even smart enough to hope for, and yet mm. it feels like exactly where I'm supposed to be, and I get to work with a bunch of great people. Um, I love St. Louis, I just can't help myself. I didn't mean to stay here this long, yeah. it just happened. Um, and so, yeah, I am just, just happy to be living and working uh, at this stage of my life in such a
0: happy spot. Thank you so much, Fran. I appreciate you sitting down with me You again. are so welcome. <laughs> i <I'm happy laughs> I always appreciate it. talking to a journalism major who made a career out of beer. Beer. <laughs>
1: Who'd have known?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Actually, everybody should have figured that one out. Yeah. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la la
0: la la la. la 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 la. I really liked my chat with Fran. I thought it was really cool. She was such an awesome person she is such an awesome person and one thing i really appreciated about her was that again she took the time to talk to us silly people who can't get things right sometimes but but she worked a lesson into that exactly yeah. exactly my producer dor almost is in the booth here with Hello. me now and yeah you saw the fallout of me coming back with
2: that interview, (laughs) not
0: being as great as I wanted to be. But sometimes maybe it happened for a reason. And
2: yes, it's okay to mess up and to have a little meltdown moment. But then you owned up to it. Mm -hmm. You suggested reaching back out to her and it worked out beautifully. The
0: only other thing besides Owning up to your mistakes that instantly makes them feel better is maybe a Schlafly bear. Ooh, I don't know. it takes the edge <laughs> off at least, right? <laughs> it does. It does. We are in the podcast booth to talk about food news and your weekend planner. And there's a lot to talk about here. So let's get straight into some news, including a... Uh, Kind of bittersweet story in some ways. It's got its highlights,
2: Yes, I guess. yes. So last week, there was a fire at Taqueria Durango. Mm. It started in the kitchen, destroyed the business. Now, this is a beloved popular Mexican restaurant up on Page Avenue. Mm-hmm. It's family-owned um, for 11 years, and it's really been the livelihood and lifelong dream of the Lopez family. Now, our Justina Cornell went and covered this story, and I just loved this line that she put in there. She said they weren't just filling up bellies. They were filling up the hearts of their community. As
0: so many family-owned businesses do. They're more than just restaurants, for sure.
2: But that has prompted a lot of local businesses to reach back out to them. They're hosting a fundraiser for uh, Taqueria Durango to help them rebuild. This is put on by Gorilla Street, Strange Donuts, Pasteria, Mission Taco. It's happening March 24th at Gorilla Street on Del Mar.
0: That is amazing. Again, like these restaurants just coming together during, I think, probably the worst nightmare situation for yes. so many of them to see their work literally burned to burn the ground down. like that, mm-hmm. especially in the kitchen fire like that. So um, make sure you mark your calendars for that. And we'll remind you guys about that again yeah. next week in the podcast.
2: So how about some good news? Always. Union Loafers was just included on Food Network's list of best Bakeries in America. Yes. Have you been there yet,
0: by the way? I've eaten food from there and I tried to go sit in, you know, like, I mean, Union Loafers bread is all over the place and their sandwiches. Yes. And I wanted to take my grandma there on Sunday, but Mm -hmm. we were a little too
2: late. So they get busy. Yes. Mm Um, so this is in the Botanical Heights neighborhood. The owner, I just love this part, owner Ted Wilson started baking in high school. He made pizza to woo a date and then fell in love with baking. Um, Food Network boasted their sourdough. Their sourdough is so good. It's so good. Um, they have great pizza, though, too, if you can get in there, get a table.
0: I love it. Congratulations to Union Loafers. And congratulations to my dog, who is about to
2: have one more place to be dragged along with me (laughs) this patio season. Um, Well, actually, you're going to have to wait just a little bit longer, but Bar K is coming to St. Louis. They already have one. Oh, it's the winter. It's It's coming in winter, yes. So this is a dog and people-friendly concept coming to St. Louis. Um, It'll be in the Grove coming this winter. They're going to have a 10,000-square-foot indoor off-leash play area. So even though it's in the okay, winter, yes. you'll be okay. You and Mia will be all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know
0: if Mia's, Mia's still gonna not going to like it though. but
2: <laughs> She'll give you some attitude. <laughs> um, they'll also have an outdoor dog park for those warmer days. There's going to be a restaurant and bar for the people. I'm sure there'll be a, a dog menu too. Mm. Um, and then they're also going to have a dedicated space for pet adoption events, which I love.
0: Dori, did this opening day get pushed back? I feel like I heard about it a while ago. So,
2: yeah, there was the original push that it was coming a couple months ago, and I think we're just now getting, like, the official word and opening time. They're building up the hype for it. I will say that. So excited. Okay, this is where we recorded a segment on St. Patrick's Day activities, the largest of which have now been canceled. Downtown, Cottleville, and Dogtown St. Patrick's Day events are not happening now because of coronavirus concerns. As of Wednesday evening, which is when I'm recording this little addendum, Alden is still having a celebration Saturday morning. However, just check online. Make sure these events are still happening for any developments that could happen over the next couple days. You just never know. Okay, back to regularly scheduled programming. Our perennial Fish Fish fries. fries. Uh, Fish fries, again, this Friday. We've got the guide for you to check out, ksdk.com slash fish fry interactive map with all the locations near you in the st louis area
0: it is so handy i used it this past friday oh yeah where'd you go um i actually uh, i'll tell you when i'm talking oh, about okay. my best fit thing later but okay. honestly it turned into oh it's already seven thirty, and most of them close at seven they do close so. pretty early yeah. but now
2: i'm planning ahead for this weekend so Very good. even better even better all right so we've got another thing for you to check out on saturday or is this, this is this on? on friday okay also. so this is on friday the opening of tail to table in maplewood this sounds so cool This is what they're saying about it. It's everybody eats and a lot of people cook. Tail to table gathers and shares the stories that help everyone eat and cook better. We have local and global specialty foods, sustainable kitchen tools, Vintage and new cookbooks and cooking classes.
0: I liked including this in the planner for the weekend as an opening just because I think if Abby Eats St. Louis was a store, I think this might be it. That's exactly it. I yep. definitely want to hit that up. So, not only is it St. Patrick's Day weekend in St. Louis, but. Hmm, Ooh, it's a big day. March 14th, not just Pie Day, it is 314 day aka st St. louis Louis day Day. so there are a lot of places dory i think that we're putting a story up on our website here if it's not already up so look for your guide to 314 day um on ksdk.com and our mobile app but some of the highlights of places in the food world that are participating schlafly is going to have three dollar 14 cent pints of ale at both of their locations uh High Point Drive In is offering the Saint Lunatic burger. I love this. Listen to this. Cheeseburger topped with a barbecue pork steak, toasted raviolis, red hot riplets, and proval cheese. Plus, as if that wasn't enough, the buns are two little emo's pizzas. <laughs> that is amazing, and I'm wow, I I can't I wait can't. to see. <laughs> I think I'd be hard to eat that all like constructed as it is. You but need to chop it up, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, but interesting. Very St. Louis, of course. Um, Old Vienna is selling their variety pack, actually starting uh, on Saturday through March 20th. $31.40 with bags of... Red Hot Ripplets, Southern Barbecue, Popcorn Seasoning, Nuggets, Koozie Shirts, Stickers, and they can ship it to your out of 314 area code residing pals. Strange Donuts is going to have their gooey butter cake donuts for and a glazed donut and coffee for $3.14. Basically, Three dollars and fourteen cents is the prize, yes. or is the price to know for this weekend? <laughs> Ferguson Brewing Company is selling pale ales for that price. Um, Urban Chestnut's Beer Hall in the Grove will feature their new stand, the Man Classic American Lager for you guessed it, three fourteen. Four Hands Brewing is going to have citywide for that price. Bailey's Range is having a gooey butter cake Ooh. shake for that price. Earthbound Beer is giving away STL-made items. STL-made the organization that or the Push behind yes. this 314 day. Um, Caldy's Coffee is having a special. O'Fallon Brewing Company, Pie Pizzeria, Schlafly Bottle Work, Six Mile Bridge, Square One Brewery, St. Louis Union Station, Soda Fountain. They're having a special on their St. Louis Freak Shake. Lots of things to do. Check out the website and basically just make sure you have multiples
2: of $3.14 14 and cents. you can feed your whole family. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to continue some fun on Sunday, head over to Cybergs for their 40th birthday celebration. Wow. That's great. Um, So they're having a real STL birthday party on their Gravoy location. Casey will be there all morning. And guess who else will be there? The Clydesdales. Oh, how St. Louis is that? So St. Louis. You need to continue that St. Louis love on Sunday. Absolutely. They're also going to have live music plus things for kids like face painters and a balloon artist. Very cool. Very busy weekend here in St. Louis. Dory, what's the best thing you've had to eat this week? So I've got a little bit of a dual best thing I ate, but it'll make sense here. So I went to Black Market Eats for the very first time. I've been wanting to go there for so long. We got the Cali Gold Burrito and it was... So good. I love I don't think I've ever had anything I don't like from Black Market. I think I'm. This is be the place, by the
0: way, that went kind of viral a couple years ago for having the um, sushi or the burrito side sushi rolls of so sushi burritos. Yes.
2: Yep. And there, it was so good. Can't mm-hmm. recommend it enough. Um, so we took that to go, went around the corner, went to Narwhals and got some drinks. Um, they have a lot of really good seasonal ones right now. My favorite one was the Elderflower Gin is, which has a little bit of an orange taste to it. It was just very cool it's and refreshing. one of my favorites, yeah, it was for so sure. so good. I
0: love myself some narwhals. Okay, so I had, as I mentioned before, um, I missed a couple fish fries because I kept trying to do it too late. So, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I right. napped for too long. Um, but I had a – so I have two that I wanted to mention as well. Um, I got the Jane Says Burger at Layla in the Grove. And I love Layla. They have a couple locations, but this was the one on Manchester and the Grove and their, like, lentil bean burger. I may have mentioned it before, but I was just craving it one Friday where I was trying to go meatless. um, Mm -hmm. Colleague Ryan Henson and I grabbed them, and they were just so good. And it's got, like, the crispy kale on it. Even if you don't think you're a veggie burger type of person, this is a really good one. And then also, when I was just really wanting fish fry but I wasn't able to get fish fry. I went to the Scottish Arms in the Central West End and got the fish and chips there. And it was like melt-in-your-mouth batter. <gasps> so good. And it gives you that Love really that. like authentic, you know, pub feel yes, in there. Yes, it sounds like it. It was super fun. So I recommend that. But last week I also went to happy hour like every night of the week. so Because you got this new schedule. I do. I had to take advantage of it. I'm going to no happy hours this week because I'm so tired. But <laughs> um, I will also have to give a, you know – Mini shout out to the cheese curds from Retreat Gastro Pub. Ooh. I got happy hour with a girlfriend and I have never had the cheese curds there before. She was coming back from the gym and insisted on ordering cheese curds <laughs> because I have the right kind of friends. And it was so good. Sounds oh my good. gosh, they were really good. Well, thank you so much for listening and let us know what you guys wind up getting into this weekend. Um, and let us know I've, your concerns over things happening in the coronavirus uh, News cycle, if you will, are changing the way that you're going out to eat or you're planning on celebrating your weekend. Send us all of your thoughts to our Instagram. We're at Abby St. Louis and Abby Eats St. Louis. The podcast is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico and I'm Our editor is Shelley Caram. Special thanks to her for getting some extra editing done for us in the past week. Our theme music is by Jerome Fabi, Olivier Renoir, and Pierre Dubost. And another round of special thanks goes to Fran Caradonna from and Will Rogers, her marketing guy over at Schlafly, for making more time for us to come <laughs> back. Um, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you do not miss a beat. And we want to see some ratings and reviews come in. Just keep them coming and let us know where you are this weekend at Abby eats St. Louis on Insta. And until then, seize the plate.
2: Ooh la la.